Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Wiley. With me today is our very special guest, Tina Marie Hernandez. She's a realtor and co-owner of Coldwell Banker, the Omni Group in Southern California. Tina, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. Yes, we're super excited to have you on. And we found you uh, through a lovely Inman article that you wrote on being a Latina, being a Latina co-owner of a brokerage. And you talked about, you know, Latinas in the industry and what that looks like. So we're really excited to talk to you about all of that today. It's going to be a great episode. And I think this is a topic we haven't really touched on. So I'm really excited to have you on and talk about this because I think it's going to be really relevant and great for our listeners to hear from. But before we get started on that, I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of our guests who join us on the podcast is, what is the best view that you've ever seen? I love this question. And when you, when I went back, when I got the invitation, I, I went back and I, I heard a couple of episodes and I saw that that was your signature question. So that that's pretty neat. It made me think, but I think with everything that we're going through 2020, my granddaughter was born and I was very fortunate to be able to be in the room while she was being born wow. right before they closed, closed down everything. So that was the best view I had is be, seeing my daughter, my granddaughter be a, brought into this world. But my second best would be the Amalfi Coast. I mean, I just, uh, I love that. <laughs> that, that is one on the bucket list for sure. I, I'm sure that was beautiful. What it did, it was it, did it blow you away? Was it just what you imagined or? Seeing my daughter and her strength was amazing, you know, and, and it was just, I mean, she was a rock star. She, I mean, literally she was there for 20 minutes and she's like, okay, what next? Oh, <laughs> What next is you calm down and you rest? (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations on being a new grandmother and how how exciting. And that's so awesome you were able to be in the room because I know there's so many restrictions on on hospitals now with everything. So probably made it even more special that you were able to be there. So that's that's awesome. Yes. Yes. Cool. Well, thanks for answering that. Loved, loved hearing about that. So I want to hear from you, your background. How did you get started in real estate? I just think it's it's really interesting and fascinating to hear kind of how people got started because everybody has their different journeys and in, in how they got started in real estate and what made them want to pursue this profession. Was this something that you always knew you wanted to do or did you kind of fall into it? I fell into it, honey. My mom is a realtor and she actually works for me now. I'm the, you know, being the broker, I get it. I get to have her as my agent, but yes, she was a realtor. She showed me, you know, a lot of the tricks of the trade. I was young when I got into it. I got in when I was 18 years old. And so I never, I didn't, you know, I didn't go formally to any college. And so recently I just actually went to a business program through Stanford. So I did that. But other than that, no, I just kind of stumbled into an, into real estate and it allowed me to, you know, it allowed me the freedom to raise my kids, you know, to be able to climb that ladder as, as low or as high as I wanted to do it, which was awesome because you get in, you get out of this, but you put into it. 
Yeah, and and I know you said in your article, I think it's been about 30 years that you've been into yes. this. <laughs> so what made you stick with it so long? And, and how did you find some of this, you know, success that you talked about being um, a co-owner with your husband? I would love to hear the story about how, you yeah. know, you, you made that decision and kind of worked to get to that point. And what was that like kind of making that decision and, and deciding to do it? So, you know, when I started real estate, obviously, this is my second marriage. We just recently, we actually, we celebrated our five-year anniversary last, this past weekend. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. So he was a, you know, business, a successful business owner. And I was as well in my own right here in Orange County, California. And I was a single mom and I just had to, you know, this was what I had to do. And I was in it through a lot of the different, you know, different stages of real estate. I, I had two bits at the bad market, but at the bad market wasn't a bad market for me. I became an REO agent, which I got a lot of success through. And that's when I got my broker's license because I knew I was going to do a lot of travel, a lot of hard work to get these listings. But then I learned that those listings stayed with the broker. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got to go and spend the money. I got to take time away from my family and learn this business. And it stays with the broker at the time. If I chose to split with the broker. So that didn't, that didn't set right with me. So I, I, you know, got my real estate, I got my broker's license and started getting accounts and, and just been doing that ever since him and I, you know, when we got married, he's from Ventura, which is about two hours North of Orange County. And he owned a successful real estate company. I owned one and I told him, I'll take your last name, but I won't take your company name. (laughs) So, you know, with with that being said, he sold his interest in his other company and joined the Omni Group. But I felt like we still needed a partner. You know, I was an independent for 10 years, the Omni Group. And I just felt like we needed, you know, there was, if we wanted to grow and we wanted to bring value to our community, we needed something a little bit more. And that's kind of where we, you know, where we heard of the inclusion program through Colwell Banker. So we were looking for a partner and we found a partnership in Colwell Banker. Yeah. And I'd love to hear more about that. Um, the inclusive ownership program, the power of partnerships. I know this has meant so much to you um, in your business. Tell us a little bit about what is this inclusive ownership program? How did you get involved in it? And then how has it kind of benefited your business and your company uh, moving forward? You know, I think that, like I said, we were looking for a partner. We thought it was an entity. My husband went to a, a conference and and they had all the, the Realogy brands. So he was, you know, he wasn't looking for a brand. He was looking for somebody that was a go-getter, a mover and shaker that could, you know, help with our business. And listening to the different brands kind of pitch, we heard about a Colwell Banker and he was a diehard independent, you know, he's like, I will never leave, let my, you know, independent flag down, you know, he's all, but if I ever incorporated or if I ever franchised, it would be with Colwell Banker, just the luxury of it, just the, the support of it. And the inclusion program, once we started listening a little bit more, I mean, it was more than just flipping a switch and turning it into a franchise. There was a lot of, there's a lot of mentoring that goes with it. A lot of it is is Ryan Gorman himself helping us. And along with all the brand tools that we didn't have, we didn't have, I'm all about not reinventing the wheel. You know, we've got a, we've got a ceiling that we have to, you know, meet within a couple of years. You know, I want to retire within 10 years. So I need to speed it up. I need to hurry up. And this already had it. And, you know, Ryan, he's, he sits with us or he's on the phone with us once a, once a month. And it's not just 
Hey, how are you? Hey, what's going on? You know, he literally listens to what we have to say. And because I not only do represent the luxury market, I represent the Hispanic market. He listens to what we had to bring to the table. What is our challenges? And we have seen changes being made. I'm like, oh, wait, we kind of put that in his head. So, you know, although it is a huge conglomerate, you know, franchise, it's awesome that it feels very boutique-y. And so it's like this big train, there is not a lot of hurdles that we have to get, red tape that we have to get to, to make a difference in the brand. That's awesome. So it is truly a partnership because I hear you say that, you know, both sides are kind of receiving something. You're receiving these awesome tools and trainings and, you know, ways of, of how to go about, you know, your business, but then you're also giving them ways to improve as well with some some diversity and stuff like that. Absolutely. I, I'm. It's funny because I'm like, okay, Ryan, do you want to really know what I think this week? Or do you want me to just be like, hi, I'm good because I've got stuff to tell you, you know, and it does not fall on deaf ears for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I want to know what it's like to work and be in partnership with your husband. How How is that? Next process? question. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always fascinated by families and, um, you know, spouses that work together. I think that would be so interesting. And I love to hear, you know, your experience of that. That's funny. Well, I not only, you know, our, this is a literally a family business. I do work my husband, but like I told you, my mother works here as an agent and my sister works here as an executive as well. So it's it's truly a family business. But, you know, I think what my husband and I have learned through trial and error, because we are both very driven, we're both very, you know, let's let's get stuff done. And we clashed a lot in the beginning. We learned our roles. We learned, this is what you do best. This is what I do best. And let's try to work that and then come together. And right now, like I said, you know, we have a goal of retiring and we want to retire, you know, we want to work because we ha- want to work, not because we have to. So we have to really move quickly in the next 10 years to do that. And so I focus on, and as agents, we don't have retirement. We don't have a 401k. We don't have that pension that we can lean on once we hit a certain age. So not only do I try to practice what I preach, but I teach my agents that nobody ever showed me how, what to do with my commission. They showed me how to make the commission. They showed me, you know, nice cars and, and this lifestyle, but they never showed me, you know, you should be investing this money into real estate or whatever stocks or whatever. I only know real estate. So I invested in real estate. So he takes care of the day to day business of the office, the recruiting, the retention and all of that good stuff. My job is to take care of our retirement through investment properties. So we, you know, we invest not only here in California, but we invest in your side of the town as well, in Ohio, coincidentally. Yeah, it was so funny. So when I um, originally reached out to Tina to join us on on the episode, she says, oh, I'm actually going to be in Ohio. We have rental properties there. I said, oh, my God, what, <laughs> what a coincidence. How how awesome is that? So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Why Ohio? Do you have any other Ohio roots? And tell, talk to us a little bit about that, because I'm sure that's a whole other, you know, that bring being a property manager, that brings a whole other, you know, aspect and perspective onto yeah. things, especially during COVID. Tell us a little bit about that Ohio roots and, and what your experience has been like as a property manager. So I don't have Ohio roots. It just kind of, I do do a lot. I take a lot of classes, you know, on how to buy apartments and how to buy multifamilies. And California is so expensive. You know, we do flips here to reinvest our money here. It just, we don't, you know, and raise a family and, and keep a lifestyle. It was just a little too expensive. 
So in taking those courses, I'm like, you know what, let me look somewhere else where I could, the entry level was pretty low, but the quality of life was there. And there was, you know, there was changes and stuff was going to be happening. And the funny thing, if I have to be completely 100% honest, I would go to places where like, I like to travel. I'm like, let me find somewhere where I like to to go. And my husband loves football. I'm sorry, baseball. He loves baseball. So I'm like, well, we can go to games there too. And then I realized that it's not that far of a a drive from there to Chicago's. So we landed on, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, and we put this system together. I've met some amazing people out there um, that do their job well, as far as, you know, we have a property manager out there because I don't want to manage my, I want to let people do what they do best. So we hired a a good property management out there. I've made relationships with some great agents that send me their properties. And I'm helping my agents here and a couple of my friends do the same thing, invest in Ohio. So that's kind of how we, you know, we kind of just stumbled on this little great town. Oh, I love it. And it, and it is the great state of Ohio. So that's awesome. Well, next time you're in town, we will have to meet up for, for a coffee or a happy hour. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. So I want to know, like, what has your experience been like, you know, through COVID? Because I know that's been one of the hottest topics with COVID is is rent relief and the eviction moratorium. And um, how have you kind of navigated the COVID waters with with some of this? Has that affected you, you know, with with your business and your properties? Well, I think that first and foremost, I'm not like everybody else. I, I, I literally do take a different mindset and I set my intentions for what I, what I really am looking for and kind of live by that motto. But has it been a little bit difficult because we started acquiring a lot of our, our property in COVID times. Good thing is that our, none of our properties were affected by it. We try to have some good quality properties out there. If they're not already in good shape, we try to make them pride of ownership. But the market, as far as our agents here in California and it being so crazy busy with these multiple offers, with these, you know, we just put one in escrow was $150,000 over list price. Oh my price. gosh. So that has changed and that has affected our, our buyers because we've got some buyers that do have that money, but some buyers, they, they just don't. Even if you go, you know, a lot of our first-time buyers, if they're qualified for six hundred thousand, we're showing them properties for five hundred thousand, so that they can at least reach that ceiling in that bidding war. Because that is what has changed is the price rate. I mean, all of these, the frenzy about buying the properties. Yeah, it's very so similar in Ohio. A, yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I I found that out through you know the properties that we try to acquire as well, but. But, but we, you know, we just change with it. We just, you know, how, what can we do to stand out in the market? We don't just woesy me. I guess I won't show property today. No. How do we make our offer that much stronger? You know, I literally closed escrow and you've got to stand out. I, 
I said that I would buy the agent a Netflix subscription, the agent and the bot and the seller. You know, you get a two-year net Netflix subscription. So I mean, it didn't. It wasn't the factor that we got the house, but it definitely made them think twice about us. So you just have to kind of think outside the box and see what you can do differently. Well, and I think it's too, I had this conversation uh, the other day, I was recording um, an episode with a guest and um, he said, I think it's an ode to the creativity of realtors, just how well most of our industry has been able to do during COVID. It's because we've been able to just, you know, flip and, and change our direction and be nimble and respond, you know, to the challenges that were put in front of us. And I think it is, it's a, it's an ode to the creativity of this industry and the Absolutely. realtors who, who work in it. And the resiliency. I yeah. mean, cause there's a lot of agents and buyers. They're like, Oh, my buyer, you know, especially in the Hispanic community, my buyers don't have zoom. They don't have all of that. That's so funny because I was doing, you know, listing presentations and buyer presentations over zoom and everybody has an email and they were signing loan, you know, not loan docs, but signing docs or offers over, you know, DocuSign. I think my my most creative one was signing loan docs on a podium that I put out on my porch so that the notary and my buyer could sign while I was behind a wall because it's like the notary was like, no, you know, only two people. So I'm like, okay, so you just have to like figure it out. Just no, there is no Starbucks to meet the notary. So you figure yeah, it out. Yeah, you know? that's so true. You do, you do. You you know, when, when and that's when some of the greatest inventions uh, happen is when we have no choice but to invent and recreate and figure out a new way, you know, to get to get things going during weird times, to say the least. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I know one of the things that you are super passionate about is Latino buyers. And I know um, I was just taking a diversity training uh, last week here at our office. And I believe that Mexico is third on the list of individuals coming over, moving into the state of Ohio. Um, I believe one was India and two was Somalia and three was Mexico of countries that individuals are moving to Ohio from. And that's one of the things that you've you've touched on. And I know you work with uh, many Latino buyers and you've talked about what that is like. So tell us a little bit about you know, the challenges that face that community, how we can make it more inclusive and give some advice to realtors on, on working with Latino buyers in today's market. Well, I think that first and foremost, I would educate listing agents and selling agents on down payment assistance programs and set other resources out there to help buyers. Um, because I think that a lot of people think that, oh, if they're down payment assistance, they are a at-risk buyer. On the contrary, these buyers are scrutinized. And, you know, they're as far as let me cross my T's and dot my I's and make sure that everything is in place before, if you're working with a good lender, before they even send you out to go look for a property. All they need is a, an opportunity and a little bit of time because do they take a little bit more time? Yes. And they just need the opportunity because they need you to see that they're just as worthy as closing as a conventional buyer. And I think that that's not what's happening in today's market. Um, it's a fast paced market. Everybody wants their money. They want it quick. You know, the money is going to be just as green in 35 days as it is in, in 30 days. And that 30 day buyer probably is not going to close in 30 days because the appraiser is going to take just as long as an FHA or an assistant, you know, down payment assistant program. So I would say for them to educate themselves. I just went into escrow with one of my sellers and I was very proud that I didn't advise, but they came in with, I want to help a first-time buyer. 
and we had 13 offers and they took the time to educate themselves on the difference between conventional and, you know, for FHA and how it would affect them. And, and ca- they had cash, they had cash buyers, but they opted not to. And I think that if we had more of that, we would have more pride of ownership. We would have better communities. We would, you know, we would have the, the turnaround that we do. So educating yourself as far as those programs that would help would be my first step. Yeah. And I know you mentioned too, in your article that 52% of new homeowners in 2019 were Latinos. So that's over, over half. And only growing. And, and it's only growing. You know, we are the, the space in the market. We are not only the entity that's driving the economy on so many different forefronts. Yeah, absolutely. And I know one of the other things that you talked about too, not only are you a Latina, but you're a woman and what that has been like in a male dominated world that you've had to, you know, sit at the table where you're the only woman in the room. What has your experience been like with that? And what advice would you give to other Latina realtors, women realtors, realtors in general about how to make our industry more, more inclusive for all? Well, you know, yes, it was, uh, you know, very, especially in the REO market, it was very male de- uh, dominated. So to be out there trying to get the accounts and, and really work hard to get those. And even now being a, a broker, broker owner, you know, some people are like, oh, where's your other, where, where's your husband or whatever? I'm like, no, no, I'm here. So I think that, I think that my advice would be, if you're thinking about it, do it. You're already prepared and know that you were, you are supposed to be in that room. Do I go in that door? You know, you know, am I supposed to be in there? Girlfriend, not only are you supposed to be in the room, you're supposed to be at the table and the front seat. Don't take the back seat. I, I've never, you know, when they have a table, I, you know, there's chairs set around. I'm going to sit right here until somebody tells me to leave. If I'm not supposed to be there, then they'll let me know. But I think that everybody should, you know, what's the worst that can happen if you take that step up that you want to take? They're going to tell you to move, move seats and then you can ask them why. But I think that not taking that step in being an owner, you know, broker owner, not taking a step of even taking that listing, you know, some, some, you know, um, agents, female agents are like, Ooh, do I, you know, should I go for that million dollar listing or should I go for, yes. You know, they called you for a reason. You are the one that's supposed to be in front of those people. There's nobody better to do that job than you. And to have that confidence is what you need to have. And I think that that's half the battle. If you get that confidence and you can feel that confidence, that's going to take you, you know, that much further and then get the education. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know that's another thing that's, that's came up in podcast too, is just that sometimes we are our own worst enemy and we get so caught up in our own head and we doubt ourselves more than anyone else Every, is, yep. is doubting but what if us. this, but what if this, but what, if, and then if you're a mother, that guilt, you know, if I do this, I'm going to be, you know, it takes a village and I, I, you know, I've never realized it more than now. And I think as mothers, we're like, oh, that should be us. That should be us. You know, what's so great is I now being a grandmother, I am so thankful for the time that I get with my child, with my grandchild. And if my daughter would say, keep her all the time, then that's less time than I would have her. So I think that knowing that you're, you're fulfilling, you know, somebody else's time with that, you know, with your, with your kids and they're going to be okay if the, the neighbor takes them to the, you know, soccer practice, but make sure you're got the game, you know, make sure that, you you know, we don't want you to be absent. I think the best thing that I did with my kids is I communicated my growth with them. I communicated my success with them. This is where I want, this is where we want to be. You guys like those vacations together, right? Yeah. We like to go to Hawaii. You guys like to go here. Yeah. We like, you guys like this car. You guys like that college, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, for the next six weeks, 
I have to work my butt off. I have to work every weekend and this, that, and the other, but I promise you, I'll pick you up from school and I promise you I'll be at your games. Is that a deal? Yes. Okay. But then we're going to go here. And as long as you keep your promises and you communicate that growth, whatever it is, trust me, you shouldn't feel any guilt. And if your child or anybody else is giving you guilt, then there's another conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, for sure. And I think it it shows, you know, when when kids get to see their parents working, I think it instills a work ethic in them, you know, and they're going to be able to one day, you know, once they're grown, they're going to be able to say, mom was such a hustler back then. Like she took care of business. She worked hard to provide a wonderful lifestyle for us. And and you're instilling the the value of hard work in them in a very young age. Yeah. Which is, which is very cool. I hope, I hope. I think that, you know, my biggest thing is I want to make myself proud and I want to be, be able to inspire not only, you know, the people around me, but my family, I want them to be like, oh, okay. You know, I want to be proud of what they, what, what they've seen and what they, you know, what I've accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that they totally will, even just speaking with you for today's episode, you have so much to be proud of and so much accomplishments uh, that you've, that you've done. So congratulations on all of those. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, being um, a diverse business owner, very cool. Hopefully we get to see, see more of it you know, with some of the resources that you mentioned and things like that, that this will not be a different thing to talk about. So thanks so much for joining me today. It was so great to Thank talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we love. I appreciate the invite. Loves having you on. And definitely when you're in Cleveland again, I will make the uh, two hour drive and we will have to meet for, for coffee or a happy hour. That would be awesome to spend time together in Ohio. So that's awesome. Yes, we'll do. I will make sure I reach out. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And to our listeners, thank you guys for joining me today and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time. This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.